Welcome to the Total Car Score Podcast, bringing you the world of cars from inside the car. And now your hosts, Carl Brower, Lauren Fix, and Javier Mota. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Total Car Score Podcast with Carl Brower and Lauren Fix. And we have a very special show because we're going to talk about three very different aspects of the automotive industry. One, buying a car, two, moving a car around, and three, modifying a car. So um, without further ado, uh, we have Mr. Paul Walser. He's the new chairman of the North, North, no, the National Automo- Automotive Dealers Association. How are you, Mr. Walser? I'm very good. Thanks. How are you, Javier? Good. Uh, Lauren, do you want to say hello? Hi, Paul. How are you? Yes, I'm a big fan of NADA. They support all the dealer networks that are local in your area, keeping money in your local area. So thank you for all the hard work you and your team do. Oh, thank you very much. So can we still say the new chairman, right? You were just elected last year or for this uh, year. How does that work? Well, you're elected first as the vice chairman, and then you serve a year as the vice chairman. And then as we have our, our convention every year, then the uh, baton gets passed to from the outgoing chairman to the new chairman, who was the vice chairman the year before. So the uh, actual election was a year ago, October, and the convention was just a month ago. So I'm, uh, I'm fresh on the job. Excellent. Carl? I was just wondering, you know, obviously there's been a lot of changes in the last year. And I was wondering what you considered the most specific challenge. What was the biggest single challenge that you've dealt with over this past year? Well, as I said, I'm, I'm new on, uh, in the chairman's role for just a month now, but in, in, if you're referring to the last year when in my role as vice chairman, uh, clearly the pandemic last year was the, the most significant issue that dealers faced across the country. And, uh, we got quite a scare in March and April, as you can imagine, when everything uh, kind of went south on us in a hurry, and we didn't really know uh, what the future was going to look like. I mean, our business literally evaporated overnight. Uh, but thankfully, the the uh, the PPP program uh, came through and provided some funding for dealers to. Uh, ride the storm and, and ultimately bring their team members back. And uh, then our business started to kind of come back as we figured out, you know, how to sell cars online and to navigate the challenges that were, you know, uh, that we were facing with the pandemic. And so by the time we got into the fall, business was actually pretty good again. So it was a, it was a rough patch there for a few months, but uh, everything worked out okay. So, Mr. Walser, uh, obviously the dealerships are the last point of connection or the first point of connection, depending how you see it, from the manufacturers to the consumers. And consumers sometimes are not very happy with experience. I was reading one of your first statements that one of your goals is to shorten the transaction time for like less than four hours to streamline it to, I don't know, how fast can it be done? What specifically can be done in that in that aspect? Well... I think there's a lot of ways that we can attack this thing. Um, I do believe that, you know, consumers are becoming, you know, sort of spoiled, I guess, if you will, by some of the options on what they go through to purchase other products where they can literally go online, pick something out, and it's at their doorstep the next day. And so, you know, uh, as an industry, we need to look at how we can streamline this. little, And it's really going to take, I think, a a coordinated effort between the uh, OEMs, the manufacturers, and the dealers. Uh, because there's there are certain complexities that exist today uh, that we need to simplify. You know, this is 
some some of the incentives are are more complex than they maybe should be. Uh, the incentives are a good thing. We want consumers to have access to uh, to these generous incentives, but we need to figure out a way to provide those incentives without you know you know going through this kind of uh, maze of of uh, paperwork and and uh, qualification processes. So that's one thing. You know, I do think uh, if we can look for other ways to simplify. In our case at, at, at Walzer Automotive Group, you know, we've we've gone to a more of a one price model. Uh, that has been effective for us in shortening the transaction time because, you know, we don't go through what is a traditional negotiation process. But, you know, that's I think that can be done quickly if for the dealers that still uh, want to provide that option for the consumers. Uh, but so there's a number of different ways that we can attack this. We got to work with the states. We got to work with the banks uh, to make those uh, those aspects of the transaction simpler. Securing the financing, uh, appraising the trades, all of these things. There, you know, we got to look at it from every angle and, and figure out how we can get this thing down to a, a time frame that the customers consider reasonable. And you know, it's an expensive transaction. This isn't the same thing as buying you know, a $20 item. But uh, at the same time, I, I think the current time frame is just too long. I, I think people would be comfortable if we can get this down under an hour. And, uh, and then and then I think that uh, it'll make people feel better about the experience. Yeah, that would be great. Lauren? Well, I used to be a dealer trainer, so I'm very aware of uh, what the dealers have to go through, consumers and so forth. And we had to learn all the products and all the procedures. But I think one of the things that I'm constantly discussing is people always say, like, I'm just going to buy a car online. And I think one of the things that they're missing, and it's really important, and I'd love to have you address why the dealer network is so important, not just on a local level, but what the dealer offers that you don't get if you just buy one of those places, shall we say, that don't use a dealer network. Well, uh, I mean, I think there's the number one thing that we do, I mean, if you compare us, at least on the new vehicle side, to uh, manufacturers that are considering the distribution process without dealers is is the absence of competition. So, you know, if if uh, if somebody's interested in, a let's say, in a Toyota in the Minneapolis Twin Cities area where we live, you know, there are a number of Toyota dealers to choose from. And and we compete against each other and, you know, we, we all want that customer. And so we have to, uh, you know, do what's necessary to earn their business, both in terms of making the uh, offer attractive as well as providing service. And so competition has always been a good thing in a, in a, in a free enterprise environment. And so the absence of competition to me doesn't uh, provide, you know, necessarily the best value to a consumer. In addition to that, this is not as easy of a transaction as other things because trade-ins are involved, securing financing is involved. Uh, there is the service component, which is ongoing. And so dealerships are providing all of these things. And imagine as an example, you guys are all familiar with the amount of recalls that have occurred over the course of the last several years. You know, dealers are there to, to, to fight on behalf of consumers to, to get their cars back on the road again and get those parts and get them and get them moving. And uh, the manufacturers have to work with the dealers in order to make sure that that this, this process gets taken care of. And and if there's no dealers, you know, that the consumer doesn't have choices in terms of how to get that car going again. So to me, there's there, there's just a lot more to this than simply suggesting that this ought to be done 
uh, without the viewers who are advocates for the customer. Right. I think the, it's important to create a relationship as well. Um, and one of the things I think that's overlooked is the fact that you have to have parts available. You've got loaner vehicles. And I've been to your facility. I actually was there for a presentation many years ago. And it's I think it's all about how you treat the customer, which you don't get if you buy, for example, a Tesla or something online where you really just don't have that same experience, shall we say. Well, I think that's completely correct. And I mean, obviously, as dealers, we all have to continue to work on making the customer experience just better and better and better. But we've got all the tools and and it's just a matter of execution. Whereas in the absence of a dealer, I can't imagine how some of these challenges are going to be dealt with. Carl? Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned a lot of elements there, Paul, that go into buying a car. And I think that is the challenge is, you know, you're not buying a a shirt or even even a uh, you know TV you're buying something that involves so many other components insurance and financing and uh, uh, registration all these elements there's been this goal ongoing goal to make as many of this as much of this process possible online as as they can even if the whole thing can or can't be done online some some are trying to go all online some are trying to go mostly online with all those different components that play the role of uh, play a role in buying a car, which ones do you feel like either your dealer group or dealers in general have mastered or are close to mastering? And which ones conversely do you feel are going to be the most difficult to turn into a fully online process? Carl and uh, Mr. Waffler, let me interrupt here. Uh, that's a great question, but we're running out of time in this segment. So uh, let's uh, come back in the second part of this interview and answer that if, uh, if the process of buying a car can really be done online completely. And again, we're talking to Mr. Paul Wassler. He's the new chairman of the National Automotive Dealers Association. We'll be back. back for the second part of the interview with Mr. Paul Wassler, chairman of the National Automotive Dealers Association. And Carl was asking if the process of buying a new car can one day be 100% online. So Mr. Wassler, go ahead, please. Well, that's a wonderful question. The, uh, th this is a journey I think all the dealers are on. Uh, and honestly, this was accelerated a little bit, as you can imagine, last year during the pandemic when when show floors were either closed or restricted and we were forced to sell and transact online and so dealers that have been working on this for the last several years found themselves in a situation where we literally had to do this overnight and so in some ways you kind of look back on this and go this was you know at least i mean it's been a horrifically difficult situation for a lot of people but it did accelerate better processes at, at dealerships and specifically to answer your question i you know, I can tell you at Walzer Automotive Group that we're we're getting very close to having the entire transaction be done online. Some of the impediments that are still there is, we, you know, we have to, in order to have electronic signatures, you've got to have cooperation with the lenders and you have to have cooperation with the state titling authorities. And so it, it isn't just a matter of what the dealer is able to do. It's, you know, we do need support from some of the other uh, parties to the transaction. And, and, and one final piece that, that I think is we're still trying to figure out is how do you, how do, you do the trade appraisals uh, that way? Because it's still a, 
large percentage of our of our customers want to you know trade their cars in and you know there's a lot of information now that that people can access to determine the value of their vehicles and uh, but the, the unknown always is what kind of condition that's in without seeing it so you know we we're looking at different ways to try to solve for that because uh, if we're able to you know to at least uh, get the customer within a pretty, you know, tight number, you know, uh, and, and not have a lot of exposure, uh, I think that would be the kind of the final piece to the puzzle because the financing, uh, the deal transaction itself, ultimately the paperwork with the cooperation from the states, all that stuff can be done. Uh, and, and right now there's a lot of customers, frankly, that are going online and doing a lot of it. And, and so that when they get to the store, that, that time frame is shortened a lot. And, you know, so maybe it's 15 or 20 minutes in a store to sign some things that that still require a, you know, wet signature uh, as opposed to doing the entire thing there. So there, there's real progress here. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if within the next year or two that dealers are able to do this entirely online. That's great. And um, a lot of consumers complain about the dealership experience, but I want to hear from you. How can a consumer help in the process? Because... It's just not complaining, right? Like we should go, consumers should go there, prepare, do their homework. What will be your advice to the buyers to help in this process? Well, I think, it, you know, it's like anything else. I, I think if you're, the more time you spend in preparation for something, the smoother it goes. Uh, obviously, uh, there's, you know, the, the, the ability to access information is so terrific now. I mean, you can find out everything you want to find out about The, the vehicle you want to buy, you, you literally can get very good information about what you should pay for it, uh, what options you should have. Uh, so the, the more prepared that consumers are by the time they make initial contact with dealers, whether they do it online, on the phone, or in a show floor, uh, that'll make things go quite a bit faster. And, you know, I think that most dealers appreciate the consumers that are really educated, you know, and we have, we've had circumstances where we have new sales reps and The customers come in and they know more than our, our salespeople do. And, and that's a good thing because uh, they know what they want uh, and, and we, can, we can satisfy their, their needs and desires much, much quicker. Well, uh, really interesting. Lauren, you will have a final question. Interesting to see how things are changing. And I know that NADA is there to support consumers. And I think the one thing I just I wanted to emphasize is one of the things you get when you have a local dealer besides a business relationship is the fact their parts are there, there's loaner vehicles, and it's always a great thing to create a relationship. If there's a problem, they're there to help you. If you have a question, you can go and talk to people. And I think that's all part of the delivery, which I think is disconnected when you order online, whatever whatever source you might use. But I, you know, it's really great that you guys are there to support us. And with lots of new ideas, because you have a website also on YouTube, and there's lots of uh, good advice there as well. Yeah, I think, you know, and I don't want to be misconstrued. I think just if a customer chooses to do the transaction online, it doesn't mean that they still don't need the dealer connection because there are so many things that occur during the ownership period where if you have those relationships, like I think you mentioned before, those are really important. And so some customers are going to be very comfortable with an online buying experience. I think particularly younger consumers, honestly. And there are still some that really prefer the face-to-face -face, uh, interaction, and, and we want to be able to be there for them, too. So dealers need to offer kind of hybrids, if you will, solutions for 
whichever direction the customers want to go. But at the end of the day, you know, for most people, this is a four or five year relationship. This isn't just something that, you know, the buying experience and then it's over because cars break and, you know, uh, circumstances change. And, and, you know, that's what we're there for. Excellent. Well, thank you very much again for your time. Uh, congratulations or, or your new post as chairman of, of uh, the organization. And uh, hopefully this will help both consumers and uh, dealers to get to your goal to, to make the whole experience much better. Well, that's certainly my hope. And, and I, you know, I'll tell you what, there's, I know dealers across the country and these are good people. They're very involved in their communities. They really are the lifeblood of, of small town America in a lot of respects. And, and, you know, I, 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 I care about this work because I believe so much in the franchise dealer system and, and, and the people that I know that are, that are involved. So uh, I'm hoping to do the very, very best job I can. Excellent. And as we've been saying for the past uh, year, we hope to see you in person yes. very soon. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, me too. I, uh, this is, uh, this, all this stuff is getting a little tiring, but uh, I look forward to reconnecting. Thank you for your time. You bet. Thank you, guys. Well, we're back here at Total Car Score Podcast with Lauren Fix and Carl Grauer, who actually left us for this segment. He's a special assignment, as they say, right? But anyway, we Secret have Nicole. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> We have Nicole McElroy from Recaro Seats. And the reason uh, um, we called her and invited her to the show was because last week I saw the first year anniversary of Recaro Seats. I said, like, what? Like, first year anniversary? What's that? How are you, Nicole? I'm doing great. Nice to be here with you guys today. Well, thank so you. So can you explain that to us, please? Yeah. So a year ago in 2020, we had a private equity company come in and purchase Recaro Automotive from Adiant and made us our own separate organization. So for the last year, we've been working on separating into our own operating facilities and processes. Things those make it allow us to do more cool stuff, as I could say. And it's neat because, you know, a lot of people know us from our rich history of being around for a long time doing custom seats, performance seats, racing seats. And now under the new ownership, it allows us to really focus on those elements that we were known for in the past. Yeah. Now I've had Recaro seats in my vehicle, believe it or not, since 1980, well, it's 79 Mustang that had it was a pace car and it had the herringbone yes. seats that you have on your website. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a throwback. Well, but I got just, so addicted yeah. to those seats. And then I bought an 85 Mustang and I bought the big bolstered race seats. And that was of course a different time era, but I've always been a huge fan of your of your seats and, and I was unaware of the new ownership. But it, it's interesting because you know, what you're offering now are the classic patterns. Tell us what the demand is for that. Because obviously we know race seats. Recaro's been around forever. But tell us about some of the classics and, and the history of Recaro. Yeah, so the classic line it really allowed us to go back into the history of going, you know, there's some fabrics that we continuously have high demand for and seats that are perfect for that customization. And so what we're doing is, is we're taking those perfect seats and mating that fabric to give it 
homage to the past. And the cool part about that for us is a lot of people are reacting in one of those states, not and not just in their cars. They're also asking them for office seat applications because with a lot of this work from home, right? And and it's really allowing us to bring the spirit back that people loved us for. Uh, so we have a pipita, which is in North America, you know, as a, as a houndstooth, a corduroy pattern, which is the traditional corduroy of the past, and then a really neat plaid as well. And you'll start to see them show up here on the shores in this next few months. Uh, originally launched in Germany with Rotzer Roll, who is a famous driver that a lot of people know from Porsche. And oh, he yes. is our advocate that allowed us to bring back these new patterns for the next generation of enthusiasts. Are you going to bring back the spectrum pattern as well? Because I am sitting as we speak oh. in a spectrum patterned Recaro desk chair. <laughs> Ooh, I like. I'm pretty addicted. Very old. This is really old. Well, that's so, yeah, but 80s. it's still holding up perfectly. <laughs> oh no, for sure. And the one thing that we've noticed is that a lot of people, new and old, to automotive love the the what I call a flashback and it's the historic memories of things that give you the happy days and an office chairs to in vehicle it's definitely a trend that's coming back and we are going to be bringing it back over time we'll do it in limited editions because you know for everyone it's a nice time to do something that is uh minimum amount, but don't overdo it so not everyone has it, right? Yeah, um, Nicole, um, I've seen, as, as I mentioned before, I've seen the brand in all over the place for many, many years. In, in Europe, you can even see state soccer stadiums with recaro seats on the benches. <laughs> and uh, what other products are there available? And, and Or is the new company only dedicated to bake uh, seats for the, for the cars? Yes, the new company is called Recaro Automotive, and we took the seating part out because of the fact that we are looking at other elements of extending our applications. Right now, we have automotive seating, both in OEM and aftermarket, and we have commercial vehicles. And what you, for example, if you're at a Metro bus, you'll see the, the bus driver is in a Recaro seat. They can last up to 12 hours in that seat with no fatigue issues. So really taking that core competency that you learn on the track and put it into other applications and vice versa. We've actually used that competency to do off-road seating because of the durability and requirements that you need in these heavy environments of usage. It's allowed us to be able to go into the first time of ever having an FIA certified off-road shell application and using foam technology and learnings that we did from the commercial vehicle side of the business. We also have office chairs, stadium seating, and maritime. And then we are also just announced our relationship with Williams Esports, and that will get us into doing some sims development. You know what? One of the things I always complain about, we drive a lot, we test drive pretty much every vehicle, like a thousand vehicles a year. Um, Javier, myself, and, and Carl, who's probably out test driving a secret car right now. Um, one of the things I'm always complaining about is that the seats aren't comfortable. And I love every manufacturer who says, oh, yeah, they're great, but they're not. Um, if, if I owned an SUV or a car, can I purchase an aftermarket seat like Recaro and install it? How difficult is it? 
Yeah, so we have a lot of dealers throughout the United States and basically North America, Europe, and Japan. We have three different locations, and it's not that hard. Basically, the biggest thing is finding the right dealer that is located near you, and you can do that through our website. And basically, they'll work with you on your C application that's best for your vehicle. And then also what your needs are as an individual, because we have different variants of seats. We have what's called a comfort seat, and that's more about ergonomics. In Europe, those same seats are certified with AGR certification, and that acts like a script. So if your doctor, you go into and you have back problems, they'll give you a script saying that you need to have certain seats in your car to help alleviate those back issues. And our seats are certified for that in the comfort range. We have what's called dynamic, which are reclinables that will typically have a hard shell back to them. And those will have pass-throughs for them. So people can take those for what I call an everyday driver to a club sport enthusiast can take them on track. And then obviously the race shells for the the hardcore needs to have the right performance elements depending on the type of racing situation. Still making see- child safety seats? That's a separate entity. We license the brand Recaro Automotive from Recaro Holding. And that is a new entity that took over the kids' seats. And they are based out of Italy. And in the next few years, they'll be working on bringing something back to the United States. Awesome. So the seats awesome. for the for the cars are very specific, right? And this they is are. something that you cannot do, basically. I mean, some people could probably, Lauren can do it, maybe. I probably, <laughs> probably can't. I could do uh, it. I've done it before. Yeah. Yeah, oh, most, yeah. Likely, most likely something that people will need to do at a dealership, right? They can do it at a dealership, but a lot of the guys that work on their cars or gals, they, they'll do it themselves. They'll figure out the right uh, attachment brackets. They're, typically, there's a stanchion kit that they'll, they'll have ordered for the seats through the dealer. And then they'll basically install them themselves and then make sure the right connection to their ECU unit that is the information that transfers between your seat and the car. Yeah, great. So uh, anybody can go on the website and like start looking for seats for their cars. How does that work? Correct. They can go on to orcaro-automotive.com and in there you'll go into looking at seats. And then once you decide what seat might be the best that you're looking at for your vehicle or application, then you'll go find a dealer and then you put your zip code in and it'll take you to the closest dealer to start having the conversation. Excellent. Well, uh, thank you very much for your time, Nicole, and uh, I guess congratulations on the first anniversary. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you so much. It's been exciting for us, and we know that we're using our rich history from the past to move us forward. Well, thank you very much, and uh, we're going to post all the links and everywhere so people can can look at uh, at these amazing seats. Thank you again, Nicole. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thanks, Nicole. We'll be back. Well, here we are back with the last segment of today's show. Very special again, as since we talk about the process of buying a car, modifying a car with a cool Recaro seats. And now when you need to move that car and you're not driving it, there's a special service for that too. So we have Daniel Vasquez here with us from Dynamic Auto Movers. How are you, Daniel? Good, good. How are you? How are you? Um, hello to everybody. Hello. 
And Lauren, thanks for the connection because uh, I think you've done a business with Anil, right? Yeah. So what happened was we were using this company that's been transporting our collector cars for years. And I, I contacted him and he didn't answer the phone. And it seems like there's been some interesting movement in this industry. And a lot of people who you may have used in the past, whether you're moving from, I have a, my sister's moving from Chicago to Florida, or I got friends moving out of California, a lot of people are moving, that they get online, I put in auto transporters, and there's a lot to know. And that's why said, let's get Daniel on to talk about what people need to know, whether you're moving a collector car or a daily driver or you're moving, because he really has impressive insight of what's going on in the industry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, yeah. So it's, um, it's a pretty complex industry. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people, when you first uh, need to transport a vehicle, maybe for um, relocating or, you know, college students, military um, collectors, you know, there's so many people that, you know, just purchase a vehicle online, especially nowadays with the way things are um, online people. That's a very big market. Um, you know, people don't know what to do exactly. Um, so they'll go on Google, request a quote. Uh, when you request a quote, um, that quote then goes out, that quote request then goes out to like eight to nine different companies. Um, wow. The, yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of competition. Um, and uh, those eight to nine companies will contact you almost immediately. You get a lot of phone calls um, and they'll try to gain your business. You know, um, there's a lot of, you know, uh, shady companies. There's good companies, just like I'm sure in every industry. Um but this industry in specific is um, very complex and in, in the aspect that um, you have to make sure you're going with a with a reliable company. Obviously, you don't want to give your your vehicle to just any person or any company. Um, you have to do your research when it comes to that. That's for sure. Yeah, the process that you explain about getting like eight different phone calls like immediately after you research for yeah. a service, that's, that sounds horrible. I mean, I would have hung up on every single call. Yeah, it, it sounds horrible. And uh, believe it or not, that's actually exactly how everybody reacts. They don't like that at all. But um, usually they're not expecting to receive those phone calls. Well, they'll, exactly. Uh, yeah, they're just expecting one a company to call them but in reality these lead providers they'll um basically share your information and then every single company contacts you so it becomes very overwhelming really really fast um how do you and, avoid that though how do you avoid having yeah all these people calling when nobody wants that yeah nobody wants that at all yeah the, the main I, I would say way to to do to avoid that is by just going online and doing your own research um, locating a broker um, that's able to transport your car who has a good reputation online. That's the most important thing. You know, online presence um, is really important just because if you go ahead and look up a company and that company has zero reviews, they they don't even show up when you Google them. Um, that's obviously a red flag. That could be somebody yeah. who's... So yeah. who's working out of his garage or out of his basement, mom's basement, who's literally trying to scam you. So um, it's important to just, you know, just basically Google search, um, you know, transport companies and try to find a reliable company that has a, a very good online presence. Um, so there's in, in this industry, what a lot of people don't understand is that um, there's brokers and there's carriers, right? There's truck drivers, the actual 
you know, truck driver that picks up your vehicle and delivers it. Um, this industry is set up where everybody who's contacting you um, is a broker. Um, our job is to basically um, find you a driver for your specific route. Um, and a lot of people usually think that that broker is the truck driver, but they're two different entities. So the broker is the middleman. He'll locate the driver for you, make sure that he has the proper insurance. Um, that's basically what a broker does. Um, so you have to make sure that you're going with a company that actually does their job right, that does that vetting process the, the right way. Um, you know, make sure there's proper insurance, make sure that that company has been paying his insurance, that the policy isn't expired or, um, you know, that the company doesn't have a lot of accidents in their record because obviously you don't want to give it out to somebody who, who can't drive a truck because yeah. that can be, that can be <laughs> no. bad. That's there's a, a lot of bad yeah. stories out there. Yeah. Uh-huh. So tell me, yeah. Tell, tell me your story. Mm-hmm. How did you start it and how, how you're doing different? Yeah. So. Me, the way I started is um pretty young, actually. I started at 21. I was 21 when I started. I worked for a company. Um, before that, I was just doing a bunch of odd jobs. You know, I was a young guy. Um, but I got in this industry. I really liked it. I was pretty good. Um, saved my money, really, for a pretty long time, for like two years of saving, 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 and started up. Um, and when I left... And I started up my own company. A lot of people followed um, with me. And they, I mean, now we have 22 employees. Um, wow. And salespeople, yeah, brokers. And yeah, it's been seven years now that we've been open. So um, we've been doing pretty good, I'd like to say, you know, um, growing a lot. I definitely put us in the top three in, in the country uh, when it comes to size and volume, how many vehicles that we're moving uh, yearly. So, yeah, it's um, been a great, great journey. That's for sure. So what, uh, again, well, it's I, interesting because it's, go ahead, go ahead, Lauren. I was going to say, you know, it's funny because I was using this company that got bought up, we always say, by the Russians. Uh, yeah. Nothing against the Russians. I'm half Russian. But uh, they sort of changed the industry. And there's a lot of people, like you said, that are working off what's called these boards. And I don't think that's mm-hmm. the best way to transport, especially when you want to know where your car is. Mm-hmm. Or it's being, you know, we're drop, taking it from California to Denver, Denver to St. Louis, St. Louis to Philly, and then we get it to New York. If it changes vehicle or carriers mm-hmm. that many times, it's scary. It uh, and I actually got your name as a reference. People were saying how great you were. And uh, yeah. I've had a lot of friends transport some pretty expensive cars, and they've been absolutely thrilled. And I hear you do military vehicles, too. That's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, yeah. Pretty big uh, military tankers and collectibles and, and stuff like that. Wow. Um, we do that. And, and yeah, what, what you said about, uh, you know, yeah, a Russians there, uh, which again, yeah, me, me as well, I have nothing against them. Um, but they are um, becoming very frequent in the industry. They, they have, um, there's a lot of outsourcing, really. Uh, there's a lot of, there's companies that have a lot of Russian employees that are working, working from over there, um, overseas, since obviously you don't have to pay them much. Um, and However, it, the only issue with that is that, you know, they're not knowledgeable with with the, with, with the United States, you know, with the, the routes, mm-hmm. the weather, uh, the situation here. So it's um, that's the only hiccup that you could have when you go with companies like that. Um, that's why, it's, like I said, I go back to that on, online reputation is very important that, you know, people do their research. It's like anything else before 
you know, moving forward. Um, but yeah, when it comes to the load board um, that you mentioned as well, it's, yeah, it, basically this is how drivers find, like, for example, let's say, Javier, you're looking to ship your vehicle from Miami to California. Yeah. Um, a broker would then post you on a board. And any driver that's in that area that can pick up on the dates requested would contact the broker and tell them, hey, I can do this job for you. That's basically the, the idea of the board. Um, it is sometimes, like you said, Lauren, dangerous to, to use only the board because there's a lot of random drivers out there. Um, but that's why you have to have somebody who can vet these people. We don't only use the board. We have a lot of, really, I'd say 80% of the drivers we use are people that we've already worked with, um, not just you know, a brand new driver. Um, th these are people that we have a relationship with that know our, what routes they're running. Um, because we ship all over the United States. Again, there's there's vehicles we move from Idaho to Iowa. You know, wow. that's not like <laughs> the most common route. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's you have to have a, a large database where you know um, where specific drivers um, are going to be at. And so that's why it's important, again, to go with, with, a, with a reliable company. You have to look for insured drivers. You want to talk about that a little bit? Because I've had people pick up cars here that don't know how to use tie downs, which is the only way to tie a vehicle down. And believe me, I've took in a lot of pictures and had damaged vehicles. So Yeah, no, and it, that really is a common thing. Uh, that's why it's important to have um, a carrier with the proper insurance, just because, again, like there's, there's companies that will call you and tell you, hey, I can pick up this car. Um, you check their insurance and it's been expired for four months. And um, if something is to happen to that car, then the cu the customer obviously comes to you and tells you about it. Um, and you're the broker. Um, they feel as if you're responsible for it. Even though you physically didn't drive the truck or anything, you're the one who set up um, that transport. You know, um, that's why it's important to make mm -hmm. sure, you know, each carrier has the proper insurance. There's some carriers who even forge. I don't mean to scare anybody who's listening to this, but it's just it's just, a re the it's just the reality <laughs> of the of the industry. There are some carriers who fake their insurance. Um, that's why it's important for the broker to actually call the insurance company and make sure that it's an active insurance policy. Um, that way, anything from a minor scratch to a total loss is fully covered. Um, it's rare that a, a total loss happens, but things happen, you know, on the road that are that really nobody can control. That's why it's important to have the, the proper insurance. That's pretty interesting. And actually, I've mm -hmm. learned a lot about uh, the whole process, things that I had no idea about. And I uh, mm -hmm. just very short, Daniel, because we are really going over time here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like they, they always ask us, what's the coolest car we've driven? What's the mm -hmm. coolest car you have transported? Oh, that's a good question, man. That is a good question. There's so many vehicles. Um, I'm I'm a big I like McLarens. Um, <laughs> I I don't I don't know how that's just my favorite vehicle. Um, but we ship all type of vehicles. I mean Lamborghinis, yeah. Aventadors, you know Ferraris. I mean, it's just there's so many vehicles. It's kind of hard for me to say. Uh, there's one. yeah exactly. You put just them on your one. Instagram account too, don't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Instagram account. It's dynamic automovers underscore. You can see all the vehicles. We do a lot of high-end vehicles. Yeah. And the website so people can find you? Yeah, so you can find us on uh, www.dynamicautomovers.com. Excellent.
Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much, Daniel, for your time, and I hope to see mm-hmm. you soon. Uh, you're in Miami. I'm in Miami. We're gonna yeah. get together at some point, and we're gonna see some of your your yeah. work together. Okay. Perfect. All right. Thank well, you so much, Javier and Lauren. Thank you very Let's much. Uh, th- thank you for listening. Thank you, Lauren, and uh, we'll talk next week. Okay. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you for listening. For more, check us out online at totalcarscore.com.